it was a very scary decision to make. Um, I, I, I will, that is the very first thing that I will tell you. I have only known this for the last 10 years. My kids have only known me as the founder of Bump Club and Beyond. They do not know my previous life. And it was comfortable, you know? I mean, I could do it in my sleep. Welcome to The Change, where we share stories and inspiration from business leaders and people making positive work-life changes in this time dubbed the Great Resignation. Reinventing oneself, whether it's your career or personally, is something many people go through, and it can be a very scary and vulnerable experience. In earlier generations, it was common to go to college, land a job, and stay within the same profession until retirement. However, many people today will go through a few different careers before retirement. And for many, the idea of retirement itself is hard to grasp. Personally, I'm in my fifth or sixth career. I've been a National Park Service technician, an IT professional, a wedding photographer, and currently I'm the CEO of an IT consulting agency, as well as the host of this podcast and producer of other podcasts through EIQ Media. Back in 2012, while I was still photographing weddings, I recognized that financially it wasn't going to work out. I was on vacation in Bologna, Italy, and I remember vividly the night I decided to leave this career that I loved so much and had spent several years developing. I couldn't sleep at all that night, torn with the realization that I would have to leave this profession that gave me a complete sense of creativity and independence. But in the end, I had to listen to the voice of reason inside myself. And I know that I made the right call to walk away and pivot back to my career in IT. In this episode, We will discuss reinvention and what it takes to pivot a career or brand as you or your idea evolves. Our guest today, Lindsay Pinchuk, did just that after growing her company to a base of over 3 million users. But let's start at the beginning of this story. With $500 in her pocket and a baby on the way, Lindsay left her high-powered job as a magazine publishing executive and founded her first company, Bump Club and Beyond. She turned a profit in year one and less than a decade later, led her company's acquisition. Hey there, Lindsay. Welcome to The Change. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I'd like to talk about your time as a magazine publishing executive, um, starting at the beginning. So tell us what time frame this was in and also what you loved and what you didn't love in that role. Yeah, so it's ironic because I always wanted to be a journalist. And while I wasn't a journalist in magazine publishing... Um, I was actually supposed to work in advertising right out of college. And my, my first day of work was supposed to be September 10th, 2001. And everything, as we know, changed on September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, when the economy tanked, all of our jobs at this big ad agency and many ad agencies around the nation were put on hold. And so what ended up happening was we were just in a frozen pattern, especially after 9-11 and no one really mm-hmm. knew what to do. And um, I decided to get my GRE and I was kind of just waiting it out. And when I decided that it was time that I should probably look for a different job, I randomly found an assistant opening at Sports Illustrated in Chicago, where I already mm-hmm. had an apartment. And so I, I was very eager to move and get my life going. And yeah. so I ended up I went in for this interview and I didn't even know what advertising sales was, but I was so enamored by Sports Illustrated and I knew I always wanted to work at a magazine. 
And when I interviewed the woman who interviewed me, her name was Sally Webb at the time. Mm -hmm. She said, you know, we're really close to hiring someone. And I said, no, no, you have to hire me. (laughs) And she did. And I was very lucky. I ended up starting a career at Time Inc. And um, my boss, Sally, at the time, and a couple of other mentors of mine in my life um, really helped me to move forward and to get executive jobs at Hearst Corporation and at Nickelodeon. And um, I ended up working at Hearst for, and I also worked at the Tribune Company too. I worked at Hearst for about a little less than 10 years, like eight years at Good Housekeeping and Redbook. And I sold integrated marketing programs essentially to Fortune 500 companies. Um, This was before, this was 2002 to about 2010 was when I did that. Okay. Uh, now, had you ever thought? Uh, have you ever thought about entrepreneurship or owning your own business, or um, you know, eventually, you know, when you founded Bump Club and Beyond? I mean, was the idea to start a company something that you had envisioned for yourself, or was there like a need that you were serving? Well, so, so I never, I, quite honestly, I've always been a little entrepreneurial. At one point, actually, when I was working at Sports Illustrated. I was selling beaded necklaces. I I mean, I was like making these necklaces and I was wearing them and people in the office were liking them. And so they were buying them. And, and that was, that was great. I I knew that wasn't going to be a career of mine. Right. But, um, you know, when I started bump club, what ended up happening was I had a couple of friends who were pregnant and I was not pregnant yet. And they very much were looking for a community and they were looking to connect with each other, but they didn't really know how to do it. And I said to my husband, like there, there is something in this. There is nowhere in the city of Chicago for expectant women, women who are expecting babies to meet one another. Once you have the baby, tons of opportunity. But until you have that baby, there really was no option. And and I looked, I was trying to help some friends of mine that were pregnant, like I said, and there just, there was no, there was nothing. And I knew that when we decided to pursue um, trying to have a family that I would want to have support and community. And so when I eventually, I, ironically, I started the idea for bump club before I got pregnant. So I knew we were going to start trying and I I knew that this was just a good idea. And I knew that when I got pregnant, I would want to have a community around me. So I kind of started building the plan for it, but I never in my wildest dreams was like, this is going to be my career. It's very funny. And I actually don't say this often, but there was a point in my life when I was like a kind of little unsure that I even wanted kids, you know? And so the fact that I made a whole career out of being a mom <laughs> is, is quite ironic. And I, I mean, I love being a mom. It's the greatest role I've ever had, but you know, when you're younger, you just sometimes don't know these things. Some people know they want to be a parent. I was just not sure. And, um, when I got pregnant, I, I actually announced bump club when I was eight weeks pregnant. No one knew I was pregnant. Okay. So here I am saying, okay, pregnant people of Chicago, we're going to have a prenatal event at the at the, the Daily Method is what it was called at the time. It was a prenatal workout. Come join me. And my friends were like, what is this? What's going on? Why are, why are you doing this? Four weeks later, I announced my pregnancy and we had our first event. And, you know, essentially, I very much wanted to find, like I said, community and support for myself. None of my friends were pregnant at the same time as me. Lo and behold, we all have fifth graders. And um, I was just the first. So from there, you know, I really developed this company and this brand and everything that we offered based on my own needs as an expectant woman. And every single thing we did was 
out of necessity for myself. And I was asking my peers around me who were also pregnant at the same time. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, in in 2021, it seems, you know, so easy to connect with people. I mean, all we live inside of are these social networks, right? But back in 2000, so what paint, paint the year for me. When, what year was it? 2010, there were no Facebook business pages. So it it was, I started bump club by sending an email to Mm -hmm. everyone I knew. And that still to this day is the number one thing I tell my clients is when you start a business, you have to send an email to everyone, you know, a lot of people don't do it. Um, so that was the first kind of thing that I did. And then I posted on my LinkedIn because there was LinkedIn at the time. And I know I posted on my personal Facebook. Um, and I know this because I get, I still like get the reminder, you know, Mm -hmm. like on the, on the work anniversary, but that was it. There was no Instagram. There was no Snapchat, forget TikTok. You know, I, I, that was it. So to your point, there was no real social media. The other thing too, is when I created bump club, I didn't want to go online into a chat room or um, I I wanted an in-person real life connection. And that was truly the catalyst for why I did what I did. I wanted to meet people in person that I can then have as friends and my kids could have be friends with their with their kids. That was why I did this. Now, was it locally driven? I guess tell us a little bit about Bump Club and, um, you know, how it was unique and how you guys you know, met together and what sort of resources you provided through Bump Club? Of course. So Bump Club started just in Chicago and we started first, the first event was a prenatal workout. And the second event was a shopping event at a local maternity store. Both of those events filled up. It was like 50 people, 75 people. And people were like, what's next? What's next? What are you going to, what are you going to do? Like, we love this. We, we want to be a part of this. After every single thing I did, no matter what it was, I always sent a survey. Mm-hmm. Always. I wanted to, I really wanted to know what people thought and what they needed. And so the third thing that we did was we started, we had a dinner and I got, I brought in a speaker. It was about baby registry. I partnered with a local store called Giggle who doesn't exist anymore. They were, a Giggle was a Nash, a small nationally based company. There was like a couple in California, New York, there was one in Chicago. Maybe there was one in Miami and Arizona. And it was a a baby gear store. And so I partnered with them and we brought in their person to like their head registry person to a dinner to answer questions about baby registry. And that was, that was the first dinner. We had gift bags, we had giveaways. I had reached out to companies and let them know what I was doing. And we sold about 75 tickets. So people were coming, they wanted this speaker, they were getting a dinner and they were going home with a gift bag that had really and truly a a ton of value. If you Google or go on YouTube and search Bump Club and Beyond Gift Bags, you can see people unbagging our gift bags because they became a thing Nice over the last decade. And so they were a lot of value, bottles, swaddle blankets, like stuff that you would actually use. And a lot of times people just love the gift bags. So people came to the dinners, they would sit by trimester. We really encouraged community. And the amazing part about it was that People wanted community and they were talking and they were exchanging numbers and they were making plans to meet at our next events. We, I never had event, had an event without having another event planned. And eventually what ended up happening was we, we kind of did about two events a month until I had my first daughter. And after that, all of the women who were coming to Bump Club at that time were saying, what's next? What's next? What's next? I, I want to keep coming. So five weeks after Jordan, my daughter was born. We hosted our first event for moms. 
and we all brought our babies. We had a brunch and we had a speaker that came in and talked to us about sleep. So Mm. it was, you know, everyone was in it and everyone needed it. And truly from there, that was how our curriculum got started. And we started hosting dinners every month. We started hosting brunches every month and word spread. Facebook grew. Then it came Instagram. We definitely adapted to those forms of social media. And the word got out about what we were doing here in Chicago. We had a nice group here in Chicago. I mean, it was 500, then a thousand, then a few thousand. And, you know, we had repeat customers. We started doing family events, bring your kids on a Saturday to like a play space. And we had a big play date. And it was really a very large part of the parenting culture here in Chicago. And then what ended up happening was I had someone from Minneapolis reach out to me and she said, I'd like to bring this to Minneapolis. And she came down and met with me and we decided to do that. Then I had someone in Chicago who was helping me. I had all these brand ambassador moms who were helping me to run events here in Chicago. And one of them moved to Austin. So we started doing it in Austin. And then I had people reach out to me in Detroit and in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And we started to do that there as well. And from there, we started working with some big brands like Nordstrom and Target and The Honest Company. And they were hiring us to create programs for their brand that we would essentially create the whole program and then bring our audience to. And from there, it really became a national phenomenon. And at this point, you know, all the social social media was all the rage. Yeah. You know, we we had over 100,000 followers on Facebook. Um, Our Instagram was booming. And we became a content provider as well. And we started hosting webinars and we started hosting various things online. And during the pandemic, we made a huge shift and we saved a very large contract with Target by putting everything online. So um, it ended up, you know, we became a premier resource for parents in the parenting space. Yeah, for sure. I want to get into the pivot that you made during the pandemic. Uh, we're going to cover that here in a little bit. Um, but I'm going back to this time when the when Bump Club and Beyond was just starting out. I, I I don't imagine there was really any competition or really anybody else doing it exactly. I mean, I don't even. I was just as you were talking, I was thinking about you know how did people even get together before there was like social networking, right? But uh, tell me what the landscape was like. I mean. Was there anybody else doing what you were doing? Yes and no. So there was a group in in New York. They were called Big City Moms, and they were owned by two sisters who I've become friends with over the years. They we were frenemies at first, for sure. They we were enemies at first. We did we did not like each other at first. Okay, but then we became friends, and and to this day, I mean, they are friends. I communicate with them on social media all the time, and um, you know, they were doing kind of they were doing things for really only expectancy in New York. And then I came on the scene and here in Chicago and I started working with a lot of the brands that they were working with because brands like Bugaboo, Up a Baby, Ritax, they needed people in Chicago too. New York is not the end all and be all. There are parents outside of the city of New York City. And so brands started working with me and we actually expanded before they did. So we started hosting events in other cities and I think it really put the pressure on them. And then they started hosting. They had one big event that they did called the biggest baby shower and it competed with our event called gear palooza and they did it in various cities around the country and so did we but we did it in like 12 to 15 cities a year and i don't think they ever surpassed a dozen if maybe even 10 so they were a competitor and then there was um another company called mommy con that did sort of what we did but they were these very large conferences and they were more in the attachment parenting space and then there were some other like offshoots that, 
you know, people that were trying to do things like Bump Club and Big Mm -hmm. City Moms, um, not quite there. And then, of course, you had the people who were trying to do exactly what we were doing. I mean, I had someone who who tried who came to me and wanted to expand Bump Club to L.A. We had an agreement. I I trained her and then she said she didn't want to do it. And then Mm. she showed up with a website that was verbatim Uh, mine and I had to issue a cease and desist. So you always will have those people, too. Yeah. So. You know, in our in our last episode, we we talked about emotional courage, and we talked about kind of you know launching something new, um, and you know the courage that it takes, and you know to get through that vulnerability um, to do something that you're passionate about. And so, I'd like to explore that a little bit with you. I mean, for me, when I launched, you know, my business, it was out of a recognition of a particular business opportunity, um, but I was a software developer. I had never launched a consulting agency. I'd never been a CEO. So I had a lot of doubts. I felt the imposter syndrome. Um, you know, we're in our fifth year in business. And it really wasn't until this year where I really started to, you know, kind of come into my own. But I'm curious what your experience was like. I mean, coming out of, you know, a, a magazine profession, now launching and and running a company and everything that goes into that. What do you remember like at all what I'll that felt honest, like? I didn't know any different in, and I think, you know, I know we're going to talk about my, my, my second change eventually in this mm-hmm. conversation, but you know, that in that moment, when I left this large career that I had built and that I loved because there was nothing wrong with my magazine career, I just wanted to be more flexible and be at home for my child, which ironically I was ended up traveling more than, than I did at first, but you know, I, I just, I didn't know any different and I just went with it. And and I think that is something that, but the second time it was very different when I left bump club and started my consultancy, which I just did, I did have imposter syndrome and that's when it did kick in. And I said to myself, am I really capable of doing this? But of course I am. I have 10 years of business experience and 10 years of executive experience, but that's when I was really unsure was when I, I, I knew. And I think the more you know, the harder it is, truthfully. Yeah. Um, good segue for my next question. So, you know, I think for audience and people listening that are interested in starting their own thing, um, you know, there's the, there's the old cliche of CEOs wearing something like 20 different hats. I still do. I still do a number of things, which I would love to delegate to people. But, uh, you know, describe, you know, how your role at Bump Club and beyond evolved, you know, going from those early days where you you may have been, you know, that kind of like where I'm at, you know, wearing the 20 different hats still, uh, and then your evolution to kind of where things, you know, how, I guess when you ended up at Bump Club and, you know, focusing on the strategic things that you were doing at that time, talk, talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you. I will be honest in saying that I don't think I ever stopped wearing multiple hats. I think as a founder, that is just something that is going to be part of your byproduct. It's also something that's inherent to people who want to be entrepreneurs and you're going to be involved in in a lot of things. And even if you don't want to be, you're going to be. So how it evolved though, you know, when I first started, it was just me. And I very distinctly remember I had someone approach me who had just graduated grad school she said, I, I've never worked a day in my life and I, I love what you're doing. 
and I want to be a part of it. And I just want to learn, will you hire me? And I, I truly needed someone to like run errands for the business. Mm-hmm. And I hired her and I knew she was looking for a full-time job as well, but we clicked, we got along really well and she complimented me and I thought she had great ideas and I worked my butt off to secure a sponsorship so that I could pay her. And I paid her before I paid me. And when she came on, you know, she alleviated some of the, I guess the nitty gritty stuff that I was doing and in terms of like operations for our events, she took that off my plate. But what ended up being put on my plate was more of the growth and more of the, the sales and, you know, we were growing. And so I needed to ensure that we had revenue funneling, funneling into our business. So I think, you know, as much as you, when you take something off your plate, usually something else gets put on. Yes. And, you know, even, (laughs) you know, and, and up until the fact, up until the time when I sold bump club, you know, during that time I was running a team of 12, I think it was. And we had events, you know, until November 21st of 2018. And I was going to all of them across the country. And I was also in secret because my team didn't know. I I mean, they did not know that I was selling this company until it was like December 10th, I think, that I told them. Mm -hmm. In secret, I was having these planning meetings with my COO. And like we were in my, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do and what the deck was. And I was flying out to Orange County and, you know, so, so that was put on my plate. So, you know, I think, you know, there's always going to be something that's put on your plate. And even after I sold the company, I sold the company and I moved over to the the new company and I worked there for two and a half years. And yes, my role changed. You know, I said, I don't want to deal with operations. I don't want to deal with the finance and, and I didn't anymore, but I was dealing with our strategy in a much bigger way. And I was dealing with our content in a much bigger way. So, you know, I was still going to bed at night, worrying about what was going to happen with Bump Club, even though I didn't own it anymore. Yep. Um, Does that answer did, your question? hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, where did, what was your sweet spot? I guess, what did you enjoy most about your role? So what I loved doing, well, two things, I guess I would say one is, was building the community. Everything I did was, I I loved, loved, loved building the community of Bump Club and not just building the community, but engaging with going out and talking to the community. I I would be, you know, the last one to leave every event because I wanted to talk to the people who were coming to our events. And I loved being a part of that. And, you know, naturally our community grew and built, built up because, I was the face of this brand and I put myself out there and I talked to people and I talked to people on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, people would show up at our events and they would want to talk to me. And it was so awesome to be welcomed into their lives and their community and this important part of their lives. And so, and I loved that. I really just, I loved building up our audience and getting to know our audience and even changing to meet their needs, because I will tell you, Parents to be and parents changed a lot over the course of the 10 years that I was at Bump Club. The other thing that I loved doing at Bump Club and really what I did up until the day that I left was I ran all of our content and our social media and our marketing. Um, I, you know, I'm a creative person by nature. I, I am a salesperson too, but I really don't love the sales process. And that's if I have to, I will. But mm-hmm. I love telling the story. And you know, and telling the story on all of our various platforms and sharing other people's stories. And that to me was, there was nothing better than 
interviewing people and helping people and knowing that we were making a difference really and truly. Yeah, I, I can totally resonate with that. Um, all right. So you've mentioned the acquisition. So I think this is probably a good um, a segue for that. So l- let's talk about the acquisition. Um, I, I believe it was um, by Advantage Marketing Solutions. Is that yep. correct? Okay. And around 2019 is when that Yeah, we closed on January 1, 2019. Okay. Can you tell us about what led to your decision to be acquired? Was this part of your planned exit strategy all along or? So I always knew that there would be some kind of exit and, but I very much wanted it to be some kind of acquisition where I could stay on for as long as I really wanted to stay on. I love, love, loved what I did at Bump Club. I loved, like I said, the community and being a part of what we were doing to help people. I also knew that as someone who built a career off of being a parent, I was not going to be a young parent forever. And I knew that it would be weird at some point for me to be talking about strollers and car seats because I wasn't using them anymore. And I also, I just felt that wasn't so authentic. I mean, I, I over time became an expert in the parenting space. I worked with all of these brands. I've been to their factories. I can tell you anything about any model of up a baby or bugaboo you want to know, you know, but <laughs> I'm not using it anymore. And so it yeah. felt weird to me to be, talking about these things from a past standpoint or from a hearsay standpoint. And I kind of always thought, okay, we'll figure out some way either where I could sell or get investors, but I still want to be involved because I can do the marketing and the strategy and be the face of this company as the founder, not necessarily as the person who's consuming the products um, for as long as I want to be. And what ended up happening was I had hired a her role was more of a controller um, to help me kind of get things in order financially. And the notion was we're going to get things in order. We're going to build a deck and we're going to shop this thing around. Mm -hmm. But what ended up happening was I was reached out. um, I was approached on LinkedIn by three different entities in the summer of 2018. It was like June, May, June, 2018. Okay. And one of them was advantage. Um, and then there were two others and I, I ruled the other two out one right away. One, I was going to go to New York for a meeting and it became clear that we were not on the same page. And so we canceled the meeting and then advantage was the last one. And part of what enticed me about advantage was they didn't just want me or my brand. They wanted me, my brand and my team, and they really wanted all of us. And so for me, that checked all the boxes of what I was looking for, which was someone to really provide more resources and financial backing. And this happened, this couldn't have happened at a better time because truly we would have gone out of business during the pandemic had I not been backed by a large company. Um, You know, we, you know, so during, during that summer and when I decided to go with advantage, we spent a lot of time building a deck. We, I, like I said earlier, I flew out to Orange County a couple of times. Mm -hmm. We had some meetings. There was a lot of negotiating. But ultimately, I knew that this was the right move. And I'm glad that my gut told me that it was. Um, you know, in hindsight, looking back, sure, there, and I can't answer, I can't answer what they are. So don't ask. But um, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just telling you, sure, there are things that I would have maybe changed about the process or about the conclusion. But I would never have changed the fact that I sold this company when I did. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, the timing was interesting because this is around 2019. And then, you know, and you mentioned before um, earlier in this conversation about uh, when the pandemic hit in 2020. Um, so at this point now, Bump Club and Beyond is, is owned by Advantage Marketing Solutions. But you were still on board. You had, a, I believe you said, a two-year um, commitment to, to stay on board. So I, I'd like to get into the experience when the pandemic hit. Like, how, What were you guys thinking um, when things started to get shut down and things you know, were starting to look pretty serious? And I, I'd also like to get into you know, not only what you guys thought at the beginning, but how you were able to pivot or evolve and and you know end up staying in business yeah of course so what ended up happening was so the first year we were a part of advantage just like any acquisition you know it was a lot of it was a lot of bumps we were really trying to get ourselves into this big corporation and mesh our businesses we were also the first consumer facing business that they bought they they are a b2b business they own many agencies and um they had never owned a consumer facing brand before and so it was really a lot of trying to figure each other out and what worked best. And during that first year, it was not the most successful year of Bump Club. Um, I can say that very honestly. I can't get into too many more details. But what ended up happening was we had had a longstanding relationship with Target. And mm-hmm. it was kind of paused during that 2019 year as we were trying to figure out what we were going to do and where we were going to go. And We ended up getting back in with Target at the end of 2019, and we had decided we were going to do a very large program with them in 2020. They signed on to this huge, huge contract, huge as in like, it was probably 20 times the revenue of the Target contract from when it was just me owning Bump Club. And our very first event was supposed to be a 300 in-store event on March 21st, 2020. And that didn't happen, obviously. Mm -hmm. But what ended up happening was the last week of February, Target, you know, we knew we had heard from other people within Advantage that Target was pausing all in-store events. And so what we did was we went, I I said, we have to save this. We cannot let this go away. They've invested a lot of money. We've invested a lot of time. We need to save this revenue. Here's a plan. And I created an online program where we took everything we were going to do in-store, which was a lot of education. And we built it out into a series of Facebook lives over the course of, I think it was six weeks. We did a webinar and then we did these live free Facebook events. The kicker was part of this event was that people were going to come, 10,000 people were supposed to come into the store, interact with Bump Club representation and our brands that were paying for to sponsor this. And they were going to get a gift bag. Mm-hmm. And so obviously we had these gift bags now sitting in a fulfillment center that we needed to distribute. We ended up sending 10,000 gift bags to people's homes. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and we, it, it was amazing. We found a way to capture their information and to get them to watch these live events. And in exchange, they got these amazing bags. They were awesome bags. You can find people unboxing those on YouTube as well. And, um, and it was great. And so that showed us during the pandemic when everyone was home that why should we stop with the target events? I mean, we have these expected parent dinners, we have workouts, we have play dates, and we started putting everything online and they were being sponsored and we were getting thousands of people to watch them. And so really and truly that was the pivot that took place during the pandemic. 
And to this day, I mean, I'm not there anymore, but they are still doing online virtual events. And in a way, I think it showed all of us that we need to be doing more of this online in addition to the in-person stuff, because we were reaching so many more people during the pandemic bump clubs audience grew three times. Wow. Our traffic was, it was triple digit mm-hmm. increases. It was crazy. And so, you know, the pandemic and it still is going on is a terrible, terrible thing. And we found a way to still reach expectant parents because, and parents, because Pregnancy and parenthood wasn't stopping. And a lot of our competitors went out of business. They weren't doing things virtually and they weren't reaching people online. And so, you know, we did it first. I mean, our, the webinar for target was March 8th, 2020. Okay. This was like before the, this was before the shutdown gathered in a hotel ballroom that we rented. We set up our whole setup and we broadcast. It was the bump club team. We broadcast from there. And you know, then it just, you know, the pandemic obviously got worse from there and the shutdowns happened, but we were already in a place where our audience had come and engaged with us online. So it, it, it worked out really well for Bump Club. And from a profit margin standpoint, Bump Club had our best year in 2020. That's amazing. What a pivot. I mean, that's, you know, the ability to kind of read the tea leaves and, and really also get lucky, you know, um, as things were coming together for you guys is great. So ultimately you decided to step away from bump club and beyond, um, entirely. And since that time you've launched your own brand and marketing consulting business. You want to tell us a little bit about, um, number one, I guess let's start with uh, your decision to step away, um, and, and do something completely different. And then also, you know, and I don't know if maybe you want to start with this, but just describe what you're doing today. Describe, you know, your what your consulting business is doing and, and what your focus is there. Yeah, of course. So today my, my focus is really to help other small business owners and founders to to start, grow, nurture, and if they want to eventually help them sell their businesses. Um, I am working with most of the companies I'm working with are small business or startup, but um, some of them are very established brands. Like I'm working with the granola company, for example, that's been around for 12 years. And I have some other projects in the work in the works with some established brands, but I do a lot of social media strategy, marketing strategy, revenue driving strategy, how to come up with different revenue streams, um, and ultimately growth strategies for the business. So, you know, in, in getting to this place, Mm -hmm. this was, it was a very scary decision to make. Um, I, I, I will, that is the very first thing that I will tell you. I, have only known this for the last 10 years. My kids have only known me as the founder of Bump Club and Beyond. They do not know my previous life. And it was, it was comfortable, you know, I mean, I could do it in my sleep, but at the end of the day, I was starting to get what kind of put my antennas up, but not only, you know, what I was saying before was that I, you know, I have a tween and a eight year old in my house now. Mm -hmm. But I, I was starting to get approached by people who wanted my help and who wanted to pay me for projects. And they were projects that seemed really interesting. They were projects that were really starting to kind of like light a fire within within me, just how Bump Club did when I first started. And I realized that I was really complacent. And I was just, I wasn't, and I realized ultimately that I wasn't happy. I, I, I couldn't figure out, I think, why it was so hard to get up in the morning and 
you know, we were also going through a global pandemic at this time and my whole job changed and I wasn't traveling anymore, which I loved and everything was different. But I realized that I just, I was complacent and I wasn't feeling challenged anymore. And it was just time for me to move on. And I think that it takes a a lot to get to that point. Um, And then it also takes a lot to get to the point where you're going to do it because it's a really scary thing to give up a salary and to all of a sudden be out on your own. You know, the big thing, you know, my husband and I were always like, well, what if I, what if I can't find clients? And like, and if, if I can't find clients and I, my whole answer was, if I can't find clients, I'll go back and find another job. I'll go work for someone. But you know, ultimately it, it took a little bit of time and, and like grieving, you know, I would say there was a grieving process for me to say, okay, like I am okay leaving this brand. I feel I have taken it as far as I can take it. And it is time for me to move on to what's next. And, you know, a big part of what I said I loved was building this community and engaging with this community. And honestly, towards the end, I felt like I wasn't able to do that because I was so busy doing other things. And now, I, you know, I have a whole community of founders and entrepreneurs and women who want to start businesses and men who want to start businesses who are following me on Instagram, who are in my Facebook community, my, in the group of my, that I have on Facebook. And mm-hmm. that's what I want to be doing. I want to be helping people. I want to be helping people further their own dreams. And that's, you know, that's what I did when I started Bob Club for the parenting space. So that's, that's kind of where I am today. Yeah. Um, I have a handful of clients. I just started this summer. I am building out a podcast of my own right now. It's called Dear Founder, and it's essentially weekly conversations with founders that I, female founders that I have come across, that I have met, that uh, are a part of my life, many of whom I've become friends with just through being a founder myself. And it's my blueprint to founders because at the end of the day, there is no blueprint to being an entrepreneur. And there is a lot of knowledge that I wish that I had known. 10 years ago, five years ago, even three years ago before my acquisition. And if I can help one person to save time, to get ahead quicker, then I feel I've done my job. And I I just, I want to get this information out and I want to share these stories so that others feel inspired, so that others can grow their businesses and can find their own success. Yeah. Um, perfect. Yeah. I wanted to cover your, your podcast. And so with dear found her, um, so it, it's a fo- it's, it's going to be focused on, um, female entrepreneurship, correct? Yes. I mean, I think that truly, and I, I have about 30 interviews that I've done already for it. Um, and honestly, I think that any entrepreneur would benefit from listening to these women talk. You don't have to be a female to listen to this. Obviously, just given my background and what I've done, um, I really want to focus on helping women make those decisions, especially women later in life who have maybe stepped out of the workforce and went home with their kids and now they want to do something again or they have an idea. I really want to give people the courage to make that pivot. And I do feel that oftentimes women, because of motherhood and other Mm -hmm. circumstances, um, just have, have different kind of not, not more, not, but just different kinds of pivots. Um, but I, honest to God, the, like the stories that I've been getting from these entrepreneurs are mind blowing. They're amazing. And the advice is just off the charts and anyone would benefit from it. 
Yeah. Can you give us an idea for what type of topics or stories you're going to be covering? Yeah. So the very, I mean, I'm talking to different entrepreneurs, like I said, so, I mean, everyone from Dana Gordon, who owns Dana Rebecca Designs, she's a huge jeweler to Ashley Murphy. She started Neat Method. She is, they have 90 franchises around the country for a home organization to Baby Sideburns, Karen Alpert. She's a New York Times bestselling author and mom blogger. So it's all different kinds of stories for from female founders. And we talk about how they got to where they are, their pivot, and what, what it was that led them to do doing what they're doing today. And then we talk about ideas and a, there are actionable takeaways from every single episode on marketing, on social media, on building community, things that you can do and steps that you can take right now when you are done listening to the podcast to start your business or further your business. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I'm going to be super excited to listen to that. You should be. It's You're going to love it. You are. You're going to love it. For sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about female entrepreneurship because I was, I you know, in doing some research um, for this episode, I, I came across a statistic that I thought was interesting um, in the year 2021 that Women-owned businesses only account for 31% of small business franchises in the U.S. So where do you see the market going for women in business? I mean, here in 2021, and what, what, what factors do you put behind that projection? I think truly that the pandemic is going to be a positive for women in business. I think that a lot, you know, you, you talked about the great resignation at the top of the episode, mm-hmm. and I truly, truly, truly in my heart of hearts, think that the pandemic provided a silver lining for a lot of people and women know what they want and what they don't want. I I just before this had a call with someone who just, who thinks she might want to make a career change. And I was just talking her through it. Women want to be happy. I think everyone wants to be happy. It's not just, you know, for women that women want happiness. Everyone wants happiness. But, and I think that now more than ever, women can see that you don't have to have a ton of money to start a business. You can start a business with an Instagram account. There are a lot of resources that are out there to help you. I think that through this pandemic and through the last two years, people have seen that people are willing to help. Um, You know, anyone who, who messages me, I message back and I'll oftentimes get on a Zoom with them. You can do business the way you and I are talking right now so much more efficiently than we could before. And so I think that what's going to end up happening is just women entrepreneurship is going to continue to skyrocket. And it is, there are so many people out there right now who are really trying to push the needle and help women to come out of these situations that are not so desirable for their life or themselves and to put them in a place where they can find what, whatever it is that they need to find to be happy and, and a little bit more well-balanced. And so that is what, what I truly see happening. And I just, the interest that I'm seeing and hearing and in my discussions with people and on social media is through the roof, truly. Yeah, I, I think your podcast is going to resonate. It's it's going to be so great for a lot of women. And it's such an opportunity. I mean, it it's so weird to say it that, you know, talking about the positive aspects of the pandemic, you know, because I mean, look, I, I'm not trying to um, discount the trauma, um, which was real. But, you know, there was a lot of positive 
aspects that came out of this pandemic. And, you know, if women can recognize and, and now, you know, go forth knowing that, hey, I'm just going to go for it. Like, this is an opportunity, the timing, it's all coming together in a way where I feel good about going for, for it. Um, you know, then, then that was a, a great aspect of the pandemic. I also think with the pandemic that, you know, it, it just, it, it helped people to see the light, you know, and yeah, I can say this coming from a place of, I was a corporate employee during the pandemic. I was a corporate employee at my own company. So I kind of straddled both, both worlds, you know, I mean, I, I did have a lot of flexibility just as the founder of Bump Club while I was working for Advantage, who owned Bump Club. But I saw what is not desirable for women in corporate America. And, you know, it's not an Advantage-specific thing. It's not any one company-specific thing. It was I saw what women were going through during the pandemic as corporate employees firsthand. And I had my own employees who left because they had to go home and teach their kids virtual school. And so, you know, I think that this really just opened a lot of eyes and I know it opened my eyes, you know, once I realized that I wasn't happy doing what I was doing and it has nothing to do with advantage. It had nothing to do with bump club. It was just my needs had changed in that moment. And I missed jumping out of bed every morning, excited to get my day started. And I had that with bump club. I had it with Hearst. And it was time for me to get back to that. And I think it really, truly took what happened during the pandemic for me to see it. Yeah. Touching a little bit more on this female entrepreneurship, was there any specific challenges that you experienced in your career um, as a result of being a female entrepreneur? You know, I don't... I'm a pretty straightforward... You know, I say it like it is. I, 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 I don't, I don't really balk it like, you know, a big powerful male executive, like that doesn't like, so I, I really can't think of any challenges. I will say that when I was going through the acquisition process, one of the companies was owned by two men and I felt like through our conversations, I felt, I did feel like they were trying to railroad me mm. and I just, I, I, I didn't get a good feeling from it. And they were people who had been in the parenting space before they, their company owned uh, other parenting brands. And I, it was funny. I had a friend who worked with them at at one of their other entities and she, she's an attorney and she called them and was like, what do you want with Lindsay? Because she's not getting a straight answer from you. And once we figured out what it was, it was not what I wanted. And I was able to say, I don't want this, but I did feel like they were trying to take advantage of like the mompreneur that w- that they were trying to buy out essentially. Right. We talk a lot about work-life balance on this show. Um, so what does balance look like for you as a mom entrepreneur? What does balance look like for me? Um, there is no such thing as balance, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I mean, every day is different. I, I, I would say, you know, right now it's, I'm feeling a little bit more balanced at the moment because I'm back to doing my own thing. And so I can make my own hours and I can, you know, pick up my kids and I'm not reporting to anyone. So that I, I feel very balanced at the moment. I will tell mm-hmm. you that, but you know, prior to, 
you know, prior to the pandemic, I would say, which, and I'm going to go back to that time because the pandemic was an anomaly, but prior to the pandemic, it was very much, I was either in work mode or mom mode. Mm -hmm. And when I was working, I was working and I showed up at work. And when I was at home, I really tried to be here and be present for my kids. And, you know, some days were more work and some days were more mom. And I, I really, I don't, I don't think that there's such thing as, as balance. I think it's showing up and doing your best in whatever role it is in that moment. Okay. Um, so one of the central inspirations for this podcast is, you know, something we spoke about earlier, the great resignation, um, and this, you know, so called movement in the workplace. So what do you attribute the great resignation to and where do you see the workforce headed? So I think, like I said before, I think the great resignation very much is a product of people seeing the possibilities as they were home. And, you know, the pandemic was an eye opener to a lot of people in that you don't have to be in an office every day. You don't have to commute two hours every day. You don't have to travel in order to get business done. I think people realized they were saving a lot of time and money. But I also think like in terms of work, like the like workforce dynamics and economics. Right. But in terms of people resigning, I think that people ultimately saw what they where they wanted to spend their time and what they wanted to spend their time doing. And I think that this whole past two years of the pandemic has opened everyone's eyes to wanting to be happy. I mean, I really just think that people have realized that life is short. You never know what is gonna you never know what is mm-hmm. gonna come your way. And I I mean you know, we were out in a bar on March 9th and three days later we were home and we haven't really emerged. I mean, not yeah. in the same way, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that, and that was two years ago. I mean, it's very, di- life is very different now. And so I just think that people see are seeing what they want. They're, they're, it's very clear what they want. And so they're going out to get it and they don't really care what the ramifications are because you just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So I think in terms of the workforce, I think we're going to see people remaining to work at home. I know at least my husband, like, I mean, he works in advertising as well. And, you know, being in person and entertaining and dining, that's a huge part of what he does. I mean, they close their office. He's at home indefinitely right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the big tech giants are home indefinitely right now. So, you know, I think that we're going to see a lot more of people working from home, staying at home, you know, maybe co-working spaces a, a day here, a day there. Um, I hope to God that this flex time remains something that is not only the way it is now, but it gets even better because yeah. I, I think that we've all shown both women and men that you don't have to work a nine to five in order to get your job done. And I, and I really hope that that continues to be the case in terms of, you know, my, not like not micromanaging people and just allowing people to do their job, to get their job done and, and to be happy. And, 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 you know, I think right before the pandemic, you know, you would go into a lot of these offices, like we were in a co-working space at one point and it was like a ping pong table and we provide this and we provide that and blah, blah, blah. Like no one cares about that stuff. People just want to like do their job and go home and have a life outside work. And so to your point, like, I think it is about finding balance, what that means to you. And I think that companies need to kind of get on board with that. Yeah. I, I 
follow Gary Vee and I'm really interested in um, everything he has to say. And he, you know, a lot of his messaging is around that. Like nobody is going to stay at a job because there's free snacks. 100%. Yeah. All right. So I want to ask you one last question. Um, what is the number one piece of advice you would give to women that are considering launching a new business? Just do it. I mean, honest to God, I, and it was, it's funny. I posted something on my Instagram saying this today and I say it all the time. There is never a right time. There's never a right moment. It's not going to be like, you're going to wake up one morning and say, today's the day. It's a great Mm -hmm. time in my life. And like my kids are at school. It's not, that's not how it works. Just get started. And I, I, I had a conversation with someone actually today and we were talking about getting started in a way that makes sense for your life or you feel like you're not giving up something before and before you, you know, or you're, t- you don't want to give up something before you know if it's going to work. And so, you know, for me yeah. with this new change of mine, I knew I was leaving bump club and I started in my spare time building my website. And then I became a consultant for bump club for six weeks. And during that time, I was able to put out the fact that I was leaving and I started getting clients, but I still had income from bump club. And that's very similar to when I started Bump Club. When I started Bump Club, I was still working at Hearst and I was testing the waters to see if it was a viable product and if people were actually going to show up for these events and pay for them. So, you know, I think if you can find a way to get started with little to no risk and to just kind of test out the waters, all you really need is an Instagram account to start putting things out there and seeing if people engage and if people are interested. And then from there, if you allow it to grow organically, you will get customers. And so the biggest hurdle is just to take the chance and do it. And, you know, I think a lot of people have a really hard time to your point earlier with imposter syndrome and I don't know, and I don't have the time and I don't have the money. Well, you just do it, just yeah. do it. And it, it, it will fall into place if it's meant to be, and you will figure it out. You absolutely will. I totally echo that. I mean, that's that's a great piece of advice. And I, again, like for anybody listening to this, um, go and check out uh, um, her Lindsay's podcast, um, Dear Founder, when it launches. I believe that's going to be January of 2022. Is yeah, that right? January 6th. Okay, great. And then, yeah, lots more, um, like she said, uh, actual stuff that you can use right then and there after you listen to the episode. So, um, Lindsay, it's been an honor to hear your story and, and about the work that you're doing to enable um, entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs. So thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to be here. And this has been such a great conversation. So thanks thank so you. much. Lindsay Pinchuk is an award-winning entrepreneur, consultant, connector, storyteller, expert marketer, social media maven, spokesperson, and mom. Today, she works with businesses, both large and small, to tell their brand's story, grow the communities who support them, generate multiple revenue streams, and ignite their success both on and offline. You can find out more about Lindsay on her website, or our website, excuse me, eiqmediallc.com slash the change, as well as her website, www.lindsaypinchuk.com. Coming in January, her podcast, Dear Founder, will be available on all podcast platforms. Our theme song and sound engineering was provided by Shane Sufridi. You can listen to more of Shane's music at www.shanesufridi.com. If you have a story to share about building your own brand or company and pivoting to something new, or you want to tell me what you think about our podcast, send me an email at thechange at eiqmediallc.com. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.
on The Change. The Change is produced and distributed by EIQ Media, LLC. Elevate your emotional IQ with podcasts and content focused on leadership, mental health, entrepreneurship, and more. Be sure to stay tuned for EIQ Media's upcoming podcast series, How I Made It Through, coming in January 2022 and hosted by Kristen Taylor. In this series, Kristen will share personal stories and interviews in an effort to normalize the mental health conversation. 